the, then the thing that really sets me off is, well, once we have a vaccine, then everything will go back, back to normal. To normal. Yeah. And I say, <laughs> you mean like the flu vaccine that's 8% effective? Doesn't work. I catch if, I mean, if I had a brake pad manufacturing company for cars and my brake pads were 8% effective, I would be out of business. George Floyd was not taken out because he was black. George Floyd was taken out because he was owed major drug money by Derek Shaven. You're making vaccines that are 8% effective for the flu that you have to change every year, which, by the way, give most people that take them the flu. Mm -hmm. And you're going to tell me that this new, and they can't sue, you can't sue them for this mm -hmm. without going through the VAERS court, which is a joke. And you're going to tell me that once we have a untested, brand new, rushed through vaccine, then everything is going to go back to normal? Good luck with that. I'll tell you what, they're going to test it in Africa like they're doing, kill a bunch of Africans, pay them off $1,000 per person, which is the maximum that they have to spend if they kill somebody. So they already know that because it's way cheaper to kill them there than kill them here. I found out what the Chinese Communist Party, the Red Dragon, is doing to these people and have been doing to these people for the last 20 years in China, sending hundreds and thousands of innocent Falun Gong practitioners, Uyghur Muslims, house Christians, and Tibetan Buddhists. Particularly 95% of um, the victims are Falun Gong practitioners to be state-mandated hospitals, concentration camps, death camps, military facilities, uh, military facilities run by the Chinese military at the behest of the, of the highest-ranking officials of the Chinese Communist Party to create a illegal sanctions forced organ harvesting business howdy everybody welcome back to another episode of the truth defender podcast we are coming to you from the greatest country in the world deep in the heart of the lone star state dallas texas i'm your host paul aguilar we really appreciate you guys stopping in for another episode if you guys are catching us on youtube and you aren't already a subscriber please consider hitting that subscribe button as well as clicking that thumbs up button and turning on the bell icon so you guys won't miss an episode in the future uh, if you guys are on the go and you want to check us out, please, please, please check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio, at Truth Defender Podcast. We'll have all the links to social media down below, uh, Twitter, Getter, Instagram, Facebook, and Rumble. If you guys have any questions or comments for myself or our guests, guests or topic recommendations, you can shoot us an email at thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. Uh, everybody, really appreciate you guys stopping in. I know we've been kind of in the works, trying to figure out some things on our end. We're on a new platform, so we might not be coming through all too well. If you guys are having issues trying to catch us or kind of hearing us as well, um, please go ahead and let us know so that we can get everything sorted out. Um, but we're back with another episode this week. We'll be back next week as well. We'll have a another one on Friday. Uh, we'll be having Jason McLean back on as well um, to go over kind of what's been going on on in the Ukraine and all that whole issue out there. Um, so stay tuned for that as well. Um, but our next guests, Dave and Carla, are like-minded souls. They have been close friends since 1998. The two have a spiritual kinship that has taken them through 29 past lives. The story they tell in the gift of past lives with Mother Isabel, God and Elizabeth aims to liberate people from the traps of conceit jealousy and selfishness and choose love in all actions without further ado david carla how are you doing today great I'm doing great today paul how are you i'm doing great i really appreciate you guys 
taking the time to hop on with me today. Um, I was really looking forward to this. Now, past lives has been something that I've been extremely interested in for a long time. Um, as a Roman Catholic, it's something that I've always kind of, I guess, had in the back of my mind, and I've heard people speak of it, but I just kind of wasn't too sure if it was like a real thing or not. Um, I've had instances where I've spoken with people that have sworn that they've been someone or other in a past life. I've even spoken with a ch a kid, I think it was like a cousin of mine one time, that was kind of, I guess, remembering past lives or instances of past lives, things that are happening uh, or that did happen in their past lives. Um, at that time, I was a little younger, didn't really understand what it was, what it meant, if it all was real or not. But, um, you know, those stories were still there. So it was always kind of a weird thing for me. Um, but before we kind of jump into that, can we kind of go over the origin story here of how you guys actually met? Because I know you guys have been in each other's lives for thousands of years, but how did you guys get hooked up in this current form? Well, what happened in 1998 is I bought the medical practice where Carla was the office manager. And uh, so that's where we thought we met each other for the first time. <laughs> Um, right. And now what happened later is we started electronic medical records and it got extremely stressful to be a physician. I was pulling my hair out. I've lost some of it. And uh -huh. uh, Carla came up one day and said, you know, you're, we started this electronic medical records. You're burned out. You, you aren't fun anymore. And uh, you've got to try to do something. Maybe we should try some meditation. So we started to meditate in the office. Uh, Carla read some interesting material. I actually had read an article in AARP magazine that was talking about <laughs> all the benefits. I'm only 39, so, you know, I don't get it at the house. Um, yeah, um, the benefits of meditation um, were, were so many, but I thought it was something that could help us if we meditated as an office. So we did. Uh, the first day we had the other office girls come and meditate with us. And um, we all um, spoke afterwards about how difficult it was to shut your mind off, but it was relaxing. And then the second day, um, we all remarked afterwards about the different colors that we were seeing during meditation. Now, our form of meditation was just to sit in a quiet room with music and dimly lit with a candle and just shut our brains off from all the, you know, bombardment of the electronic everything. And um, so on that third day, the girl said, oh, we don't really want to meditate and come in this early. We'll do it at home. So on that third day, it was just Dave and I, and um, about a half an hour after we began meditating, we saw, we heard the patients coming in. So we got up and we went into our adjoining offices and Dave came up behind me and he said, Carla, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I think I was just talking to your mother while we were meditating. Now he got my attention. He never met my mother. She had died 18 years before. Um, right. And the fact that she had come to him and, and not me, I was like, wait a minute, what, what's going on here? But I said to him, well, you know, how do you know it was my mother? And he said, well, she looked like you from side view. She was real jovial. She was laughing and she kept showing me a shoe. So I went over to the computer and I Googled ballroom dancing shoes and like 60 or 70 pair came up on the screen. And I said, which shoe? 
and he walked over and he pointed to the exact shoe that my mother had worn. She was a ballroom dancer, and she wore those same shoes, um, kind of a short pump, open-toed sandal for church or to dress up. And um, my sister was also working in the office at the time. And she took a photo from her wallet and she turned it around and showed Dave. And she said, is this who you were talking to? And Dave got really emotional. And he said, yes, that's who I was talking to. So that was strange. And I thought, okay, I'm a doctor, but I've lost my mind and I'm talking to dead people. <laughs> All right. So, right. <laughs> yeah. they, they, everybody wanted to keep meditating. Paula and Carla wanted to see if they could reach their mother again. We kept meditating every day. And there was a day when I had this memory pop in from 1962. Now in 1962, I was three. So I'm a little older than you, Paul. <laughs> but just a couple of years. Yeah. But in 1962, <laughs> I was, my father went to graduate school from Nebraska where we lived to Boston. And we drove across the country. I remembered the long drive and getting earaches and we're going over the mountains in Pennsylvania. And we got to Boston and I was telling Carla that I just started to remember this while meditating. And I said, it was so strange because I started to remember running on a beach in Boston and I could see the Ferris wheels in the background and I could see roller coasters and I saw souvenir shops and I was running and this little girl ran over and pushed me down. And she sat on my chest and she gave me a kiss in the middle of the forehead. She jumped up, screamed, you've got to be quiet. You're bothering my family. She put her hands on her hips and she had this little blue two-piece ruffled bathing suit on with a little tiny pot belly because she was so young. And Carla stopped me right there. And first of all, my sister and I simultaneously said, when were you in Boston? We had been working with him since 1998, and he never mentioned it. So first of all, that was a surprise. But that day was etched in my mind because I was from the good Catholic family also, the youngest of six girls. My living parents, in Boston, by the way. Living in Boston, uh, right, born and raised. And um, my parents were, you know, always getting separated but never quite divorced we didn't have any money we didn't have a car on that particular day daddy rented two car two cabs and took all of us down to the beach and um for whatever reason when we got there i didn't have a bathing suit normally one would have been passed down to me from my sisters but i didn't have one so we went across the street to a souvenir shop and they really could not afford it but they bought me my first brand new two-piece blue ruffled bathing suit. And if you can imagine, I remember that forever because it was new clothing and a two-piece bathing suit. And I never had that happen. So, you know, there was another moment where Dave and I were like, wow. We're looking at each other going, wow, we met when we were three and four years old. And we didn't know it right. because we didn't meet again for 38 years. Ooh. So that kept us pretty interested in why are these memories coming? And we just kept meditating. And I started getting pictures and places and symbols. And then one day I saw another woman and she introduced herself as Isabella. And she said she'd been with me for 6,000 years. Well, I'm like, okay, this is pretty, again, strange for me. 
And Isabella told me she was my spirit guide. So, Paul, I was raised Catholic, too, just like Carla, just like you. And I thought, okay, I've conjured something up. I'm a strange person. I've either that or I'm losing my mind. These electronic medical records have gotten to me. But the next day meditating, I had another memory. Now, good things happened with with meditation, I'll, I'll tell you. We found out because I'm a doctor. I went out and researched it. and It lowers your blood pressure and lowers your blood sugars. It increases dopamine and serotonin, which helps decrease your uh, depression and anxiety. and anxiety. It actually lowers cortisol. And the first year that I started meditating from, I sort of set a goal that I was going to try to lose a couple pounds. So I set a goal to lose two pounds a week. And a year later, I lost 104 pounds. Wow. So the meditation was doing good things for me. Mm-hmm. But the next memory I had was I was suddenly standing in an alley. And it was dark. And across the alley, I could see this woman. And I knew it was Carla. Now, when I say I knew it was Carla, it reminded me of Carla. Her, She had the same steel blue eyes. She was younger than I had known her. She had her hair slicked back and she had on this little gold band on her head and she had fringed ruffled like, yeah, flapper attire, flapper. She looked like a flapper. And suddenly I saw two bright flashes and then I heard bang. And then I heard myself or felt myself hit in the chest and realized I'd been shot in a dark alley. I told Carl again, thinking, I don't know what this is. This is some sort of strange dream. And the next day I was meditating and I got more of the same story. But this time I found out where I met this woman. And I had met her at a wedding at Ashland Auditorium in Chicago in 1925. And she was the wedding singer. I had to meet her. So I met her at the reception and invited her to breakfast the next day. And she went to breakfast with me. And then I had more of the memory. And I took her out on a walk along the Chicago coastline in 1925 in January. It was cold. It was miserable. She was clinging to me. She was telling me about her life story and how she'd moved from Bullock, Georgia. And her name was Ruby Donaldson. She wanted to be a singer and a dressmaker. She told me her father's name was James, and he was mad since he, since the uh, Civil War. She'd gotten away from there. And I found out that she worked at a speakeasy named DeAndre's for a man named Angelo. So, like anybody, when he told me this story, I wanted proof if it was possible, and you know, a lot of our past life memories and other people that talk about theirs are so far back, it's hard to get any corroborating information. But this was only in the 1920s, so it was possible. So I went to Ancestry.com, and I did find Ruby Donaldson, born in Bullock, Georgia, in 1904, to James and Anna Donaldson, one of 11 children. So that information was all corroborated. And then I found newspaper articles from the Chicago wedding on January the 10th, 1925 at Ashland Auditorium of Angelo Jenna to Lucille Spinola. And there were pictures of the wedding and the wedding cake. And 
I was able to tell Dave that I found the information. We did not understand at the time that Angelo Jenna was the head mobster in Little Italy right before Al Capone. And he worked at, or I should say he owned, owned, or he didn't really own it. He ran DeAndre's The Speakeasy. And that's where Ruby was the singer and the dancer. So here we're pretty much convinced that we're having an experience that's real, Paul. We started running. We started looking for information. We started doing research. We found research by Ian Stevenson and James Madlock and Jim Tucker that had been going on at the University of Virginia Department of Perceptual Studies for years. And they had about 2,500 cases of kids with verified past life memories who they proved or they believed they proved that they were the people they claimed to be when they were three or four years old. And they only study kids because they figure adults can fake it. But they they, they didn't think a, a three-year-old no. could possibly know who Jim Smith is from some small town 30 miles away. And they would go and they would study these kids. They would study the past lives. They found birthmarks in the same place that these people had died and, and those kind of research items. And so they became literally convinced. And then they would start things like they would find out who the guy was married to in a past life. And then they would bring five pictures of women. They would show the five pictures to the little boy who said he remembered being them and say, which one is which one was your wife? Which one was your dog? Which house did you live in? And show pictures of houses. And they would come up with 20 questions, something like that. And the kids were getting 85% correct, which is way above what you would expect. So we started to think, well, maybe this isn't so strange. Yeah, that's that's definitely, uh, it's kind of a, I guess, would you, in your experience, is it more, I guess, more relevant with children as it is adults? Because I know, I mean, I've heard stories, lots of stories with, with adults, but I mean, it's more interesting when it comes from like a child, in my yes, eyes. The, um, yes, the child can't be coached yeah, at three years yeah. old. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been my experience. Now, I guess one of the questions I've always had surrounding reincarnation is, is does like tragic or I guess violent death more of like a cause for reincarnation or is, cause I've always, whenever you hear these kinds of stories, like it's always that they died violently, like in their past life or they had some kind of accident and those seem to be more of like prevalent. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's just always, that's what seems to surface because just like in regular life, a humdrum day you don't normally remember. But if something significant happens, you remember it. And a lot of people, just like in Dave's case, what was the memory? Him being shot. Right. That's what he remembered. And so, you know, and many times there's lessons to be learned from the adversity that happened. And it comes to the surface because there's something you need to learn from it. Right. And would you, I've always been kind of a a believer in, in when we all say that we've had deja vu, would that 
tie in anywhere? Like maybe that came from like a past life. You remember being in a certain area or is that something kind of completely different? No. No, that's that's the exact same kind of experience. Many people have the deja vu. And yes, it could be something you did in this life. But if you did something in a past life, it's the same thing when you meet somebody, Paul, and you think, why does it seem like we can talk for three hours and we just met? It's because you're already right. comfortable because you've met them before in some other life. And it's not coincidence right. that um, I have vacationed in Bermuda, Italy, Scotland, um, Asheville, North Carolina, and I've had a life in all of those places because we have a draw to those places. So you'll... you'll right. Yeah, and it was kind of interesting because I didn't even know some of the places Carla had been. And I started having more and more memories and we started cataloging them and writing everything down that had happened to us. And, you know, the the day I said, I I, I remember this temple and it's a big t- temple and it's hot and it's like Yucatan Peninsula, it's warm. And Paula goes, well, it's the, it's the temple of Teach and Eatson. And she goes, and we, we've been there. And I'm like, oh, wow. Right. Okay. So, you know, we started having memories like that. Then we found lives together in those places. We finally found 42 lives, past lives for me and 34 for Carla and 29 of them that we shared. Now we shared them frequently as love interests, but she's also been my mother, my sister, my neighbor, or just a friend. Um, a child that was in the room or a school, a school friend in in many different capacities, but in all those ways, we worked well together. And so we slowly discovered, and then we read more information. We found that we always return in soul groups and your soul groups can be divided into two kinds of groups. It's either family mates, those who we do well with and assist each other, or karmic mates, which are those people that might test us in each and every life. Right. And the goal right. is to actually get all those karmic mates to become family mates so that we're not being tested by each other. Sure. Yeah. And it's so, I mean, I'm assuming now we've spoken with people in the past that say, you know, the reason why we keep coming back to earth or, you know, we're, at any point in time is we're here to learn to, I guess, experience things throughout life that'll help us kind of move on from, I guess, this earth or wherever is, is that kind of the case in your experience? Yeah. Think of it this way. We're only here for certain things. Think of it this way. Yeah. Think of it this way, Paul, when, when your soul or consciousness was created, you really had, no experience in the spiritual or unseen realm or whatever you would like to call heaven, uh, depending on your terminology, you start to see that everything and all communication is really telepathic. If you have no experience, you have nothing to share. And so, you, you know, if you're, if you're really speaking in pictures and etc. You have you have had to have something that you perceived in the past through either sight, smell, taste, any of your senses, <coughs> and 
That way you can actually share those things telepathically with others. So you have some sort of shared experience, which is really all com what all communication is, is shared experience. So being here on earth is a shared experience that we all have. So it's something we can share with each other when we're not here. Right. So, I mean, in that sense, what would be, I guess, in your mind, the reason why we're not allowed to kind of remember past lives? I mean, if we are here to experience these kinds of things and learn from them, like, why is it that we, we just aren't allowed to just kind of remember, like, we've been here before and this is what we took away from our past time here? Is it kind of like a collective I guess not a collective, but we're only supposed to be experiencing like certain things that like maybe once per lifetime or just kind of not to like overwhelm us. Exactly. Overwhelming because Dave and I have a big board with all of our past lives on it. And we, you know, we have these specific details, but even with all of this information, it's really difficult to remember, you know, just now. And, um, even though you'd think we would remember all of them, you forget. Um, and if you're here to learn um, and not make the same mistake, just like your teacher in school, they give you a test to make sure you've learned it. You can say, oh, I know right. that. But they give you a test to make sure that you've learned it. In our first book, um, we actually put 20 of our past life stories. And at the end of each one of those stories, we give the reason that we have to return, what we didn't learn in that life. And in our second book, Hell No, Reincarnation, there's seven of our past lives, again, with the same thing. We put the reason that we didn't quite pass the test, why we were coming back, because we're not perfect. We've been here over 6,000 years. You start from square one when you come back, but deep in your soul, you know right from wrong. Yeah, I can't remember everything from this life, Paul, mm -mm. let alone 42 past lives. And it gets to the point, yeah. and this is why they think that because kids who have these spontaneous memories, they they remember things at three, four, and five, and most of them start to forget at seven, eight, and nine. Because they've had okay. so many life experiences in this world that they that those become less important. They don't remember them. Now, what we believe, because we also took past life regression training, even though our memories were spontaneous, we really believe everything is, is saved in your subconscious. And it sort of works like this. The subconscious saves everything as a positive or negative experience. That way, in this life, if you are faced suddenly with that same problem, if it was a negative experience, it will help you respond just like it like your subconscious helps you now. If you touch something that's hot and it burns you, the next time you touch something that's hot, you pull back faster. And that's saved in your subconscious now. Right. If your past life memories are, and you're about to go into a dark alley where you might be shot by a mobster, <laughs> maybe I won't walk down a dark alley in this life. Okay? So, so those things will kind of help you. Does that make some sense, Paul? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's, uh, you know, it's just always kind of weird. I mean, I guess you have parts of your subconscious that kind of seep into your world now, you know, just as we discussed, like deja vu. Maybe you remember something from a life during this time period. Maybe you 
you came back just recently or you know whatever obviously if you had a past life that where you were like some kind of king in egypt or something that wouldn't you know kind of transfer over but but um you know you always have i'd always been kind of frustrated with the fact that that i was aware of my consciousness in this time frame like in this life but i can never like kind of remember if i had ever had anything else prior and that always kind of frustrated me because i had always believed in reincarnation you know since i was little but um it just had always gotten to me that i could never kind of like piece things together or maybe kind of remember what i was previously and even in those lives kind of shape what you're what you're going to be in this life obviously you know you know, like you said some people like traveling to areas that are cold maybe in their past life they were born like in alaska or something mm -hmm. or some Correct. people like to you know like to vacation stuff like that and that's the reason why they like these kinds of movies or this kind of music you know because maybe yes. in a past life they were from there yes um it's all it's all very interesting i just i just never get over the fact that we're just not allowed to kind of remember you know for whatever reason but it's just it's just always been one of those things of my well mind. do you meditate paul I do not meditate. Um, it's, I don't even know why I've never really gotten around to it. It's just, there's just so much going on. I think I would actually benefit from it, but mm -hmm. um, I've just never gotten to it. You know, I would like to well, learn you how need to, do to it, add but, it. You know, with the yeah, it's easy to do. You just need to add it to your regular routine. I like to do it first thing in the morning after I'm already rested so that I don't fall asleep. But if you just added 20 minutes, Every morning, make the time like working out or like eating or showering. Just make the time. Add it in there because the benefits are great. And that's how you open up to the spiritual world. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely been on. I guess it's been something that I've thought about for a long time. And I just, for whatever reason, never got around to it. I mean, I make time to go to the gym all the time. That's kind of mm -hmm. my meditation in a weird kind of chaotic way. But it would definitely benefit me to kind of flesh my mind out at times mm. and just not think about stuff but um we'll definitely have to put it down one of these days to just kind of jump in i think the so, more i say that i'm gonna do something i don't do it so mm -hmm. i just have to do it one day <laughs> so paul much like you were mentioning earlier we were both raised catholic and so yeah. our second book hell no reincarnation is really how we kind of reconciled our childhood beliefs with what we now know and we did a lot of different research. The first thing is I'm going to just leave you with an idea, which is a, a just God is who is like a loving parent. Is he going to give you one chance? Do you throw your own child out when they swear the first time? Do they go to hell for all eternity? Do you turn them away from you or do you give them another chance? You know, the God that I was taught is loving and just. And so reincarnation sort of meets both of those criteria. It means that even if you are not such a good person in this life, God's going to give you another chance to, to fix that. And you're going to face some of the karma that you've caused. And you need to overcome some adversity because you may have caused adversity to others in the past. And you're going to get another chance because it's... it's a child who dies in five minutes after they're born, is that long enough for God to judge? Is it is right. 
60 years enough to judge, one life, two lives, maybe it takes 42 before God decides that you've really given you enough chances to learn the lessons that you need. And he always gives you another chance. And if you talk about our other book, you start to look at things. Look at the Old Testament, Paul. What did God do? God made a, a covenant with Adam. And then what happened? Adam failed. And then he made a covenant with Abraham and Abraham failed. Then he made a covenant with Noah and Noah failed. And then he made a covenant with Moses and the people, the Israelites failed again. Then he made a covenant with King David and they failed again. And not in one of those chances did God say, you're not my people anymore and I quit. <laughs> or we're not going, or you failed and you've worshiped idols, but I'm going to send you to hell. He always gave them another chance. And if you start to then look what happens, you find that in Judaism, reincarnation is a normal tenet. They don't speak about it a lot, but all of those who, who study the Kabbalah all believe in reincarnation. And then you look at the world and you find 33% of the world's population believes in reincarnation. And then if you look at the early history of the Catholic Church, in the year 200 AD, or 170 years after Jesus, the bishop of Alexandria, Egypt, his name was Origen, who wrote most of the early doctrine of the Catholic Church, his writings included that transmigration of the soul was a normal part, that the soul existed before birth and after birth, and that you could return in additional lives. Because, of course, his family line was Jewish, but he converted. So that's at 200 AD. It doesn't come to happen until 400 AD when the Roman Catholic Church decides to excommunicate the man who wrote most of the early doctrine of the church because reincarnation and the atoning death of Jesus didn't seem to match. So, so if, if Origen says you were with God before you came to this world, that's also against the Catholic Church. If you can get another chance, that means you're not condemned to hell immediately. And later, forever. forever. And the church down the line starts still getting a little wishy-washy. They wrote purgatory into the story. You can do some atonement there. Before, you know, you die and you get... And you get judged and yet the church sold indulgences which is why martin luther shows up they said you know just because you died and you were a sinner it's okay if your if your family pays for it we can promise you're going to get to heaven well that that doesn't quite follow any real church doctrine it's something they did they added in and so we started looking at all those kind of things and we realized that the catholic church kept some things they learned from Judaism, wrote some new things they learned. Paul wrote a lot of the stuff on the church. And Paul never met Jesus except through a spiritual vision where he talked to dead people. Because, you know, again, you, you need to look at that. In the Old Testament, Samuel talks to a, or talks after he has died to King Saul. In the New Testament, Jesus talks to Paul after he's dead 
and gone. And yet, church teaching is you're not supposed to talk to dead people. Jesus talked to dead people up on the mount. Moses and Isaiah appeared to Jesus and they transfigured in the light if you believe everything in the Bible. So Jesus was talking to dead people. And yet the church right. teaches we're not supposed to be sorcerers and bring up evil and only you know conjure up something horrible. Well, the reality is, if you go to the Old Testament again, what you hear is that the word Elohim is used, which is really the name for the Most High God, who who was called Yahweh. And then there was, if, if you read it in Hebrew, there's lesser Yahwehs. And those are really angels. And you read more and you find that they're talking about different levels of angels. So if you have spirit guides, which are really guardian angel kinds that we sort of see different forms of angels, they start talking about watchers. And everybody thinks the watchers become the Nephilim and all that story that we hear in, in the book of Enoch. Watchers are just people waiting to come back. So the fallen ones were us who had to return back to the earth again. And when they return to earth, they mate with the women and their children are offsprings of fallen angels. Well, they're really offsprings of those people who have died and returned to the earth again. It matches all the stories in the Bible. It matches much of mythology where they're talking about Zeus is the great God and then many lesser gods. It, it speaks highly of African literature who has one main God and many lesser gods or angels. It crosses all religious groups. The Hindus believe in a creator God and then many lesser gods. The story that's been shared is parallel through all of these religions. Right. So as we and went so, through... I mean, pre I'm sorry. Uh, previously, yeah. you mentioned that um, we had kind of like spirit guides. Now, do these follow you, I guess, throughout the entire time that you're here on earth that like every time they come back you have the same one or they just kind of yes. draw off or how does it, how does that kind of how work? your main spirit guide is with you from the beginning and you can't have other guides for instance my sister died in uh, 1992 and she actually is the person that passes people over in our family she has a job right. working for god and my mother is our gatekeeper. What is a gatekeeper? A gatekeeper is someone that keeps negative energy from you. For instance, people that are waiting to return, they have very similar personalities there as they do here. So if you were a stinker here, you're probably a stinker there. And your gatekeeper just keeps them away from you because you're not supposed to hear the future. That can alter your path. That's why you don't listen to, right. to mediums and psychics unless they're giving you information. Um, about you know, now. Yeah, about now or the past, not your future. Right. Yeah, and it's so I so my my mom died when like in, back in '99. I was about 13 years old, I think. Um, but it's always been kind of a weird thing because everybody around me has always had, I guess, like dreams about her, or like seen her or things like that even my wife now i didn't know her at the time 
when my mom died. But even like right before my son was was gonna be born, like she had a dream where she was like sitting there talking with my mom, and like they were kind of like talking about things and you know this and that. So like, I mean, I, I, does that kind of uh, I wouldn't say prove that certain people don't come back, but is there like reasons? Maybe they've just kind of met the end of their time on earth. Like they've learned everything they had to and they just don't come back and they just kind of follow people around or like people within the family. Does, you know, does that happen? There are people who are, who have finished their path and don't have to come back, Paul. That's really the goal for all of us is to return back to God as the love that you were created. So the, the plan here is, you know, we come here to learn and grow and, and, Again, this was the first lesson, really, that Isabella ever taught us, which is live a life without conceit, selfishness, jealousy, and unforgiveness, and make every choice out of love. When you get to that point, you don't create more lessons. You don't create karma. You don't have to return and and live another life because you've now understood and have compassion for everyone. And some of it, Paul, is everybody has been a king and a queen They've also been poor and paupers. We have saints life. and sinners. We've been black and white. Uh, we have one Asian life. We have a Mayan life where we'd be Hispanic. So if you're if you're looking at that, you live on every side of every issue. We've actually been Muslim and Jew and pagan in in many of our past lives, so that we will understand how those people think. We've yeah we were Muslim too, so that. We live on each side. We've actually have a, a, a group of lives that we look at and has a really interesting pattern. We're Vikings fighting the Scottish. Then we're Scottish fighting the English. Then we're English again fighting the Scottish. And then we are Viking descendants coming back into the English um, royalty. How else can you learn? How else can you fully understand and have right. compassion for another unless you are put into their shoes? And we've learned that if you... You know, it's interesting you talked about the Ukraine, but we learned that we would fight on both sides of sometimes even the same war. So you learn that in war, there really can't be a winner because you're on both sides. It's compassion. We're talking about the Ukraine and what's happening with Russia. There will be no winner. People will die on both sides. The world will be worse off. There'll be karma created. It, it's 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 just a negative thing for everyone. Now, so you you speak about karma. Now, is karma supposed to be kind of a punishing thing? Because that's all you ever you ever hear karma being like you're going to get yours or like karma's going to hit that person. You know, is it well, is it meant to be that way? That's I mean, judging. If you say it like that, then that's judging and it's retaliatory. And Isabella tells us that that is not loving and compassionate Um, because we don't have to worry about somebody getting theirs. God will make sure through another lifetime that they will learn. If someone, you know, if you're, Dave loves to tell this story. If you're mean to the cashier in the grocery store just because you're having a bad day, that's the quickest way to create karma with that person. That seems small. But it isn't. And you could come back again and it be the reverse. So take into consideration everybody that you're around. You probably 
had them in another life, your soul family, they could have been extremely important to you in a previous life and you just don't know it. Everybody needs to be treated the same with love and compassion and forgiveness. And, and, and love includes basic human respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, always. <laughs> um, but so, so I guess, I guess one of these things that I, I'm sure I'll get questions about is, is like, how does this kind of relate to, I guess, going back more towards the Bible, but like when, when people talk about like demons and angels and, or, you know, stuff like that, like would demons be like another form of like this planet? I mean, or like angels, would that just kind of be something else completely? I mean, do people come back as demons or how would that work? Okay. So the, the, the first thing I'll tell you, Paul, and we'll go to, again, this, Part of this is in hell, no reincarnation. You know, in the Old Testament, the place called that gets translated into the word hell is called Sheol. And in in the Jewish faith, Sheol is just a place that dead people go. In Greek mythology, it's Hades. It's just a place Mm -hmm. dead people go. It's not a place of punishment or or pleasure either way. It's it's the afterlife the other place in the old testament that gets that becomes written about is called the valley of jehenim the valley of jehenim is actually a physical place outside of jerusalem it's the ditch outside of jerusalem and jerusalem drains down and it that's where their sewage system goes but in thousands of years ago the early kings and the early judges of the israelites would put people to death in the Valley of Jehenim, including their illegitimate illegitimate children. And many times they would burn them. There was also spontaneous combustion because that's where all the trash went. And so there would be fires burning there. They would throw their enemies in there. They would burn people in there. And so it became known as the place of ever-burning death. But it was a physical, actual place. When it got to the King James Bible and they were doing the final English translations, they went in and they changed the name of Sheol, Hades, and the Valley of Jehenim to the word hell. And why did they use hell? Because King James's wife was of Germanic origin and the pagan god of the underworld's name was Helia. So they picked Helia for hell as the place that bad dead people would go. Okay. So karma is not punishment. Karma is another chance to reach your potential. It's to learn compassion. So now I'm going to tell you a quick story because this will make it sound a little bit like an eye for an eye, but during meditation, I got to see my father's last past life review. And in the last three lives that he had, one life, he was a slave trader. And he stole people from Africa and chained them into the bottom of his boat and split families apart and brought them across to Bermuda and then to the Americas and sold them. In the next life that my father had, His wife died during childbirth and he was split from his family. 
in the life as my father. Wonderful man. Became a high school principal. He was a, really a very nice guy. And he, um, the last 20 years of his life, he got Parkinson's that was very severe and was chained to a wheelchair. Now, that's not being chained in the bottom of a boat, but it's being put restrictions on. And he had to overcome the Parkinson's to remain positive, upbeat, and still be an, a, a good person. Because it's not what happens in life. It's how we choose to react to it. Right. Right. So, yeah, you know, obviously he wasn't being punished for anything, but he had to kind of experience both sides mm -hmm. of the coin. Exactly. Just to kind of see how that worked out on both ends. Yeah. And another one I like to tell Paul is sometimes we return in the same family line. So I want you to imagine that there's a man who's an alcoholic and he has a son. And so his son has hardship because of the alcoholism. And that son becomes an alcoholic because it runs in families sometimes. His father dies of cirrhosis. And that young man who also became an alcoholic suddenly has a son. And it's his father returning to him. And now that man has a father who's an alcoholic. And somebody has to step up and stop the chain of events. So this time right. he has to become stronger and overcome the alcoholism to break the pattern. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That Same makes thing sense. with child abuse. Somebody has to be the one who stops it. So if you were if you were an abuser, you may come back and it may be your job to try to stop the abuse this time. Or you might be on the other end. We do know, know people that have have been a male and an abuser, and then they come back as a female who's abused. Right. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's not necessarily punishing that person. It's just they have to experience both sides of you know what they went through. So yes, you yes. can better understand. That makes sense. I mean, but then that kind of opens up a kind of worms as far as like if you're not really being punished for anything, like what's the point of being good in this life? You know what I mean? Like it's like, if you're going to be given like another chance, like what's to stop people from just doing whatever they want and like, you know, like acting up how they want. And I can see people like, I guess seeing how that would be a problem for like a lot of people, you know, like, like, so what's like the point of behaving or like wanting to learn how to do anything. If you can just be given like another shot at life, you know? So well, um, if you talk to no... people who have near-death experiences right. and they talk to someone that they call God or Jesus mm -hmm. or spiritual beings and they're told your path is not complete, you have to go back. Most of them will tell you, right. we did not want to go back. We're completely engulfed in love and happiness and we do not want to come back to earth. That's why. Yes, if it's completely right. love, if, if love is everywhere and it's completely without wants or needs, mm -hmm. if you have no wants or needs, you can't be bored, you can't be unhappy, you can't be dissatisfied. Life is a struggle for everyone always. Even if you're right. having fun, you know, it, it's, there still is a struggle. There's something you have to overcome 
in almost every life. There is no one on the earth that hasn't had to overcome COVID the last two years. There's no one on this earth who isn't looking at what's happening in the Ukraine or what's happening in Palestine and Israel. All of us have to worry about what is going to happen. And the other thing, Paul, you know, if we aren't doing the right thing and taking care of this earth and we keep polluting the earth and we do those things, if you throw the trash out your window as you're driving down the road, someday you're going to reincarnate reincarnate into a world that is trashed and there's nowhere to come back to. So there's always some way that you want to be off of this planet and off of this trip and off of this road and overcome the karma that you've created because that's where the reward is. The reward is not in this life. Right. No, it definitely isn't. (laughs) I've seen a lot of cases like that where that's not not the case. But it's actually funny that you mentioned like near-death experiences. We spoke with a gentleman by the name of David Ditchfield a long time ago. He had a near-death experience where he actually got run over by a train. Um, oh. And he, he survived, thank God. And he told a story about how he had died twice, like an operating table. Um, and they managed to save him, came back, and he spoke about when he was there, the same thing. Like, he did not want to come back. He wanted to stay there. Like, he, he just didn't want to be here anymore. And he had to come back. Now, David had never done anything, I guess, artsy in his life. Like, he never knew how to paint or draw or, like, how to do anything like that. Now, he writes symphonies and he can paint. Like, if he had gone to art school for years and years and years, he's a really incredible painter. He does all kinds of amazing things now. Um, now, on that kind of setup there now, do our near-death experiences kind of pit stops in your life to say, look, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing in this world, mm-hmm. like shaping up and let's get back on track. And on the same note, when people die really early in life, could that be that they have indeed met what they're supposed to be doing on Earth? And they're taken away because their experience is, is over with. Well, yes and no. In Dave's and my past life, um, we were brother and sister in Chicago. I was Katie. I was six years old. His name was Johnny. He was four. And um, it was Christmas Eve, 1944. We were playing on in our, on our balcony, our three-story staircase. Our mother was wrapping Christmas presents. And we both fell to our death. We broke our necks. And of course, when when Dave got those memories and we asked Isabella about it, we said, what could we possibly have done at that young age? And she said, well, it wasn't your lesson. Your father was a bomber pilot in World War II, and he was doing his job, yet he had to learn that he was not just bombing soldiers. He was bombing people, doctors, lawyers. Um, regular normal people and sometimes the lesson is severe but you have to understand it so you know it's it's not always that you're done and a lot of times when you come back for a short period of time it is somebody else's lesson you've come to help somebody else learn Mm -hmm. the the other thing that people a lot of times will ask paul is you know of course you get another chance so What's the big deal? Why, If you're really that unhappy, why can't you commit suicide? Because if you commit right. suicide, 
you didn't learn your lesson in this life and you've got to come back to the exact same lesson. So if you think life is horrible, life is still horrible when you come back in the next life because you didn't overcome. So suicide doesn't serve your purpose because you're going to come back to the same the same lesson you still need. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of, I guess, maybe unfortunate in a way that, that we're tied into other people's, I guess, karmic story that, you know, like if, you know, like, like for you guys that you were died at such an early age in, in your past life, but that was attached to like your father at the time. So that kind of stinks in a way that you could be attached to somebody else's life just to teach them a lesson in a way but it's taken out on you. <laughs> no, that's, because God really asks you. Yeah, God will tell you. God asks God. you if you're sure. willing to do it. And do you something ag- to help someone. Yeah, else. and you agree to it. And remember, we're infinite human beings. Yeah, so there's no, if you yeah. die young, who cares? Who cares? There's really right, no right. fear of death. Yeah, and if you start true. to I mean, look again at near-death experiences and, and, and reincarnation experiences, all of them are so consistent that you start to realize there must be something to consciousness existing without outside of your body. And those people who have astral projection experiences, those people who are connecting with the spiritual world, who have some sort of mediumship ability, they're all traveling outside of their personal self. Right. And, and Paul? Yeah, we actually spoke yeah. with with um Preston Dennett which was uh, an amazing guest we had last episode that we're talking about out of body experiences um and I completely forgot that he had mentioned that as well that that we're actually asked whether we want to come back or not for whatever you know whatever kind of purpose and you know we actually agree to be here so it's not like we were just kind of picked out of a hat and, and then here you go you know so that actually that actually makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah i mean god you know, I don't know that there's anybody who turns God down if God says, will you come back? Right. Yeah, no, he definitely wouldn't, <laughs> even if you actually didn't want to. But uh, it's yeah, there's no way you'd actually be able to get around that one, which is which is good. I mean, you know, like you said, if we're at really are infinite, there's no I mean, we're just here to suffer for a short period of time. And what's what's our time on Earth? You know, it's really nothing, really. So it's so short which is great um isabella says that time here seems like it's long but it really is nothing and the other reason that we don't want to come back you'll love this isabella says that being in heaven is like perpetual orgasm oh well i don't know why anybody want to leave then see (laughs) that's right see What a bunch of fools. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, that's really, I mean, hopefully we kind of get to, and I've always had this kind of weird feeling that I don't wish for death, like I don't want to die or anything like that. But I do know that when my time comes, I won't be sad about it or upset. Like, I won't, I'm like, I'm not looking forward to it, but when it comes, like, I won't be upset that it's here. Um, I'd be upset, maybe a little sad, obviously, you know, for my son and stuff like that, but correct. You know, I, I'd be more sad that, that they're going to be the ones that have to stay here and I get to move mm-hmm. on. Um, so that's kind of how that works. So <laughs> hopefully one day we, 
we finish up what we have to do here and they take us out of here because this world is falling apart. I'll yes. Tell you what. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> True. Um, well, you... it seems like the world's yes, falling sir. apart, but I've got to tell you, the world has grown over these thousands of years. We actually live in the least violent time in all history. Per capita, there's less violence in, in the world. There's less poverty in the world. There's less less death, less disease than there ever has been. So even though as a society, we seem to pick up on everything that's horrible, the world right. is actually much better than it was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, you got up and you spent the next 16 hours trying to find one meal. Mm-hmm. And then you... And preparing yeah. that meal and, and starting the fire with a stick and hoping that you would cover the your head with some sort of branch tonight so it didn't rain on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, definitely. We've we're actually we're in like the best time throughout history right now. Um I, I remember I remember thinking back a while back was if I died and I came back, I would hope that I come back in this time period again because throughout history it's been rough. <laughs> A lot of rough times. So, yep. And you, you can even look back and just the lessons of history, and they're the same lessons of reincarnation. You know, people who battle and fight and kill each other, people who abuse each other, people who control each other. Whether you're talking about enslavement by a king who has a a fiefdom and you know has small people with small little plots of land, and they're giving thirty percent of their 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 crop of corn to the king to slavery it's the same story that we're all trying to overcome which is some per, somebody's conceit over someone else not to be owned right no definitely not <laughs> yep so i mean as we kind of wind down our time here um can you now the books are they only available on your websites or are those available on amazon as well yes they're they're available on amazon's Bar- barnes and noble target Walmart, every everybody, they're available, but there are links on our webpage to to those sites because um, you can also go to your local small bookstore and order them, and they will come. So that right. if you want to support your local bookstore because it's been rough on everybody during the COVID pandemic, support those little small businesses too. You can order them there too. Right. Yeah, definitely don't go through those big chains that they got to stay open during the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely everybody go ahead and head over to the gift of past where you can find the books as well. Um, and like you mentioned on Amazon and anywhere else, if you want to pick those up a lot faster than actually looking for them somewhere else. Um, and then we'll have the link and everything down below in the show notes and during this episode, the gift of past Twitter is at MajBooks, uh, Instagram as well. And then they have a Facebook. We'll have everything linked down below as well. Um, Dave and Carla, I really appreciate you guys' time today. I uh, really appreciate you stepping on or stepping in with me and uh, chatting about this. It was definitely interesting. Uh, it's been a topic that I've really enjoyed for a long time, and I really appreciate the time. Thanks for having us. Thanks a lot, Paul. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Everybody else, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, if you guys are catching us on YouTube, like I mentioned before, and you aren't already a subscriber, please consider hitting that subscribe button and sharing the link to the show as well. If you like what we do here, sharing it with a friend, family, anybody else. Um, we'll be back on Friday with Jason again. Uh, we'll be talking about the Ukraine and everything's going on there. 
Um, so that should be fun. But yeah, we'll have the link to all the social media down below. Uh, like I mentioned, please hit that like button and the bell icon so you guys don't miss an episode in the future. Uh, you can catch us on the run at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio at Truth Defender Podcast. And you can shoot us an email uh, if you have any guest or topic recommendations to thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. I really appreciate you guys. Everybody stay safe out there. Stay blessed. And most of all, stay frosty. Mm-hmm.